uh, and I'm not sure if there's going to be amplification in heaven. I'm not sure if there's going to be uh, screens and videos in heaven. Uh, one thing I do know, there'll be you, your heart, your soul, and voices to the Lord, and we just experienced that together uh, as we sang. So I love it. I love it. Maybe we should do it every week. Nah. And so... <laughs> Uh, welcome. If you're new to us, my name is David Tyler. Again, I'm the lead pastor. Love to meet with you. I do this thing. I meet every week out in the patio. Uh, come, man. Come, come say hello. I'd love to kind of put a face with a name and try to, try to know as many names as possible. It's kind of hard around here, but I try anyway. And so uh, don't be a stranger. I'd love to do that. Also, um, you know, it's uh, Easter week next week, so hopefully you're considering your brains, who you might be able to invite. You should have got in your uh, program today one of these little cards. Uh, Reckless Love is our theme for Easter. It's going to be a really special service. Uh, Kelly and Ken, Kenny and I have been planning it, and it's really going to be special. You don't want to miss it. Great time and opportunity to invite a friend, a neighbor, co-worker. Maybe you don't have uh, that much connection with God even. We would love to welcome them to participate with us during Easter. And they say this time of year is a time where people maybe are most receptive to an invite. So hopefully you're considering that and, and thinking about who you might bring next week. I would advise you to get here early next week um, because if you, if you really want your spot, you're one of those people like, I have to sit in my seat or I don't go to church that kind of person, then you better get here early because the, the spots are going to fill up quickly. So um, with that, let's start. Today we're going to start with a story, a story about two men walking down a Mexican beach talking to one another. They could see a man in the distance throwing something in the ocean. They got closer and they saw that it, he was bending over, picking something up and throwing it into the ocean. The closer they got, they noticed that he was one of the natives. So they're vacationing. He's a native of Mexico and they're walking on the beach. He's throwing something in the water. There, was, there were starfish on the beach which were left out, uh, left out by the outgoing tide. The native was throwing them out to where they could swim away. One of the two men asked, what are you doing? The man replied, I'm throwing the starfish back to the sea. If they don't get back to deeper water, they will die. The other man replied, I understand that part, but, but, but as he looked on the beach, the beach was covered with starfish. There must be thousands stranded out here. How do you feel this will make a difference? The native bent over, picked another one, another starfish up, and hurled it out into the sea. With a smile on his face, he said, made a difference to that one. Made a difference to that one. And he wasn't worried about all the different starfish that he couldn't save. He's just worried about the ones that he could throw back out, and that one made a difference for that. And he took pleasure in making a difference for the one. And I don't know, you know, as a kid, I remember this idea of making a difference, such an inspiring kind of idea uh, that you can make a difference, that your life can make a difference. And maybe it's different for me because I grew up, you know, as a son of a mother who came from another country, a father who came from another country, and this is a land of opportunity, and your life matters, and you can make a difference. And I had all those themes talked about over and over and over. David, I can still hear my mom in my head, David, get educated. It's a land of opportunity. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. Uh, your life matters. You could do something with this. Whether you get educated or you start your own business, you do a startup company, whatever. You can, this is the place where you can make a difference. In fact, we had little slogans. I don't know if you remember 20, 30 years ago. Uh, uh, slogans that we would hear on TV all the time. Be all that you can be in the what? Uh, you got to talk to me now. Be all that you can be in the army. army. Yeah, right. So you can make a difference. You can make a difference. And it was a wonderful, inspiring idea of making a difference. And today, we're going to dive into this idea of making a difference, spiritually speaking. 
How can I make a difference spiritually? In every other avenue of my life, I desire to make a difference. You know, now I'm putting into my grandchildren, and I want to make sure that, they, that I make a difference in their life. Every area of our lives, we try to, whether it's planning for ourselves so that we can retire one day, all those, we want to make a difference. And do we ever consider how can I make a difference spiritually speaking? Not only a difference in me, maybe, but a difference in others as well. And so we're going to look at that today. How can we make a difference for God? How do you make a difference, and how do you know when you've gotten there? What does uh, it look like to make a difference, and who is affected when you do make a difference spiritually? What is our make a difference, quote-unquote, strategy and what's the evidence of the success of that? And so for that, we're going to be in the book of Mark. So I encourage you to open your Bibles right now, the book of Mark. Uh, if you have a phone, open up your phone and, 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 and you know, take notes and, and, uh, and highlight for sure. And if you have a Bible, open it up there. Mark chapter 3 is where we're going. Got short verses today, verses 13 through 19, but we're going to dig in and apply. And uh, I think it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing. So the overarching uh, question, do we have it? We do. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, what are the exciting effects of multiplying yourself spiritually? That's what we're looking at today. What are the exciting effects of multiplying yourself spiritually? The first thing we're going to see is that you can, everybody say, make a difference. Okay? You make a difference. Uh, what are the exciting effects of uh, multiplying yourself? What, if I were to multiply, if other people were to look like me, if other people had what I had, what would be the exciting effects of that? If whatever I have, spiritually speaking, somehow transferred or by osmosis got put into another person, if I was able to multiply myself, what would, what would the difference be? What would it look like or, or what would happen? And so let's look at verse 13. It says this, Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted and they came. So he takes, uh, out of all the thousands who are watching, he takes a select few up the mountainside and in verse 14, he appointed 12, designating them apostles and they might be that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. And then verse 15, and, he, and, and, and have authority to drive out demons. All right, we're going to stop right there. Uh, what are the exciting effects of multiplying yourself spiritually? Number one, you get to make a difference. You get to matter. Life matters. Spiritual life matters. Because of you, someone else is impacted by God. And so uh, make a difference. So here's the idea. Jesus goes up on the mountainside, does this often in the Gospels. We see it all the time. He goes up, he prays sometimes in the middle of the night, uh, whatever, and he takes a select few with him. This time he appoints, I want to take you with me. And out of the ones I brought, I want to appoint 12 people. 12 people who are going to be appointed for a special cause, a special something. You are going to be my special 12 is the idea. And so he gives us three reasons for why he selects them. So you got to remember, there's thousands of people coming from all over the place. They either want to be healed or they want to hear the message of Jesus. And, and Jesus says, I'm going to go up the mountainside. I'm going to pick 12 people, 12 men. And they're going to be my guys that I'm going to invest in. So three reasons that he selects 12. The first one is so he could be with them. So, so there could be life-on-life life relationship. You 12 are the ones that I'm going to be focusing in on. I'm going to be pouring myself into I'm going to be training you. Uh, uh, live, live uh, you know, by osmosis, watch how I live, and then and take those things and do them in your life. Uh, as, as I do, you should do. Watch me and then do is the idea. So we're going to live together life on life, and there's going to be a ministry that I have to thousands of people. For sure, you've already seen that, but I'm going to focus in on you 12. I'm going to concentrate on you. I'm going to dive into you. I'm going to apprentice you, so to speak, and make you an apprentice 
of me. Hopefully in the end you will look more like me and you will do more of the things that I'm doing. So education by association is the idea. This is a training that wasn't meant to just be an end in itself, that they would just get all of Jesus and then do nothing with it. No, this is a training. We're going to get all of Jesus. He's going to give us our undivided attention. He's going to invest in us so that we one day could do the things that he's doing, is the idea. So the first reason of why he would invest in 12 is because he wanted to be with them. Interestingly enough, um, it's not like he took a show of volunteers. Who would like to, um, you know, be invested in by Jesus Christ? Anybody? <laughs> no, he said, you 12 are mine. I sovereignly choose you. I'm going to invest in you. We're going to live life on life. We're going to eat together, sleep together. We're going to, to, to run life together. Everything we'll be doing together, you'll watch me, and I will be training you for the future. Future of what? To preach, according to the, sec- the second reason that I might be with you, and that he might send them out to preach. So that there's more than just one voice on this whole Jesus movement. Now, you've got to catch this. Jesus Christ saying, here I'm God very God, and man very man, and thousands of people are coming, and by the way, they're all coming to hear me. And instead of saying, man, I like the fame, and I like the honor, and I like the people like me, instead of doing it, he said, no, I'm going to multiply myself into 12 others so that the voice can be multiplied, so that the message can be multiplied, so there can be maximum potential in effects. So not just one voice going now, there's 12 voices going all preaching the same idea, all saying the same thing, all starting this Jesus movement that would start 2,000 years ago and remain today because of the multiplication of voices. And so I'm going to train you, I'm going to spend life with you so we can multiply the effects of this thing so I can put you and set you on mission as well. And this is, this is you know, they're, they're going, wow, what an honor. Are you kidding me? God is going to use me for his work. And they get so excited. This is what an honor. And today in our society, we, we kind of take a step back from that. We like to professionalize things, you know. Well, that's the professional. He does that. And as for me being equipped and being on mission myself, I'm not sure that I'm ready for that. I'm not sure that I want that. I just want to go to church, learn a little bit, and leave and not to think about it again for a week. Now, these guys were set on mission and viewed themselves as just as Jesus had a voice to speak to the world and to transform the world, now I have a voice and I, to use that voice and preach and influence others for the cause of Jesus Christ. It's amazing that the idea that, that God would say, I think I'm going to use men to help me fulfill my cause, as if he would need us. Of course, he doesn't. But yet, he says, I'm going to invest in 12 and invest in 12 so they can be put on mission. If this thing, if you just think about it in a leadership um, perspective, if you're any kind of leader, any kind of realm, any kind of organization, if this thing is really going to take off for us, we're going to have to scale this thing up. We're going to need more people involved. If this thing is really going to transform the world, I'm leaving after I die. If this is going to transform the world, then we're going to need to multiply ourselves so that we can get to the scope of the world. It's almost like franchising, you know, what do you do when your restaurant, um, you know, it has so many tables and it's always full all the time and you can't fit more people in there, people are waiting outside, what do you do, you franchise, you go to another city, you start another one, go to another place, you franchise, that's all Jesus did, I'm going to franchise the gospel, I'm going to make sure that it gets out so it can go 
to the far regions of the universe. And the way I'm going to do it is by multiplying the voice, by feeding into others, and then setting them on mission. Third reason why he multiplies himself out. Third reason is so that they can continue the assault on the demonic realm. Look at verse 15. And have authority to drive out demons. And so I want, I want this message to reach maximum potential. I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to live life on life with you. I'm going to train you. You're going to preach. Not only are you going to preach, I'm going to give you authority to cast out demons, just like you saw me casting out demons. Somebody needs to go upstairs and cast out the demon in our computer. Some of you are like, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, but the, so I'm going, to, I'm going to give you authority to do that. Now, you've got to remember, this is more of, 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 if you remember earlier messages in the book of Mark, this is more of an assault, the world of Jesus against the world of Satan. So I, you, as soon as Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, uh, you got dominion over the world. Okay, you won that one, Satan. You are now dominion. This is your realm. But Jesus Christ came to die on the cross to say, no, 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 I'm taking what's mine. I'm coming back for it. And that's that's all going on in Jesus' ministry. Jesus is saying, no, no, demonic realm, I have authority over you. In fact, what you think you own and what you have is actually mine. I'm coming for my people. I'm going to die for them. I'm going to reconcile this world back to the order that it was intended in the first place in the book of Genesis, according to Colossians chapter 1. And so these two kingdoms are in conflict, and Jesus on earth... Why, this is why you see in those three-year period of time with Jesus on earth, there's a lot of conflict between Satan and, and, and Jesus, and the idea is, I'm coming back for what's mine. And Jesus says, I'm going to now empower my uh, disciples, these 12, and delegate authority to them as well. Now, this is important because you've got to remember that people are coming from everywhere. Remember we were talking last week? They're coming from everywhere. I mean, he can't go in city centers anymore because too many thousands of people. He has to go out by the, the desert and by the lake and, and still thousands of people are going. He has to get away in the mountainside to pray. He, he's, just, he's just bombarded by people and he's saying to himself, it's time to decentralize. I gotta decentralize. The focus is all on me. I'm gonna decentralize myself into 12 people, build